Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Possibilities podcast, episode number 11. I'm very excited that you're here. I'm not sure what brought you here, but I really appreciate you being here. I hope you're all having a great week, that you've been able to get outside and enjoy the sun, been able to enjoy some time with friends and family, and just been able to finally mentally recharge and mentally reset and deal with whatever you've been dealing with. Very excited about today's episode. I'm very excited for all of you to hear today's interview. I do appreciate the patience as there's a little bit of a lag, but that's what happens when doing distance recording. So I appreciate the patience with that. I would appreciate if you'd head over to whatever platform you're on and subscribe to the show so that you're not going to miss any future episodes and like and rate and review because that helps me grow the podcast and bring on more future amazing guests like all the guests that I've had on so far. And I'm very excited for you guys to hear the interview with Ryan. I think whether you're a baseball fan or somebody that is involved in athletics, he's a person that you can take a lot of stuff from what he's saying, whether it's talking about his mental approach or going through his growing and just kind of getting out of his own way. There's a lot of really good nuggets of information in the interview, and I'm definitely very excited for you guys to hear it. And without further ado, I'll see you guys on the other side. All right. Our next guest on the Limitless Possibilities podcast is Ryan Fuller. He's originally from Old Lyme, Connecticut. He played in the NGCA with the UConn Every Point, where he made a trip to the NGCA World Series. He then transferred to play for the UConn Huskies baseball program. He then signed as a free agent with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a current minor league hitting coach with the Baltimore Orioles. You can find him on every social media platform at Fuller Hitting. Welcome to the show, Ryan Fuller. Zach, thanks for having me. It's been awesome to get to know you via social media and then talk to you today. So really happy to be here and especially on the new podcast that you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. The biggest thing I think that really kind of connected us early on, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is talking about baseball, but then also just the mindset stuff that we kind of bounce back and forth off each other. Obviously, growing up in Connecticut, you had a few opportunities with baseball, but the adversity that you faced early on going to junior college, do you think that kind of set you up for the precedent for the rest of your, I guess, playing career and then moving into just being an adult? Yeah, for sure. So going out of high school, every kid thinks they should be a Division One player and you see your friends go to D1 schools. One of my buddies, he went to Brown University and I just thought, you know, if I'm as good as he is, I'll get the same opportunities that he gets as well. And Obviously, that's not how it works as you go through. There's so much more that goes into it. But I was so disappointed going to junior college, coming out of high school. It's the last choice I really wanted. I thought I was good enough to play Division One baseball. But obviously, the coaches just saw me as a little too undersized at the time. I needed to put on some strength, just not ready for that Division One grind. So ended up going to Avery Point, where just so lucky to have the coaches I did. They were they were the guys that I needed at the time, I guess is the best way to say it. They pushed me in ways that I wasn't ready for coming in as a freshman. And I can only imagine what it would have been if I went to the division one schools that I wanted to, I probably would have been chewed up and spit out right away. So there I learned what player development is. It's not about winning there. Although we did do a lot of winning. It was simply, we're trying to get the most out of you to get you to the places you want to go. And as a young kid, you don't really understand that the opportunities that, you know, my dream was always to play at UConn. UConn told me coming out of high school, you're not good enough. And then <laughs> two years later, you know, they're coming to me saying, do you want to be a part of the team? So 
throughout those two years, it was at the beginning, not wanting to go there and then looking back and saying like, this is by far one of the best decisions I've ever made. It opened all these doors for me. And still the coaches from Avery Point today are some of the coaches and people I'm closest to. So that experience definitely set the rest of, you know, my playing career and coaching career today where it's player development, people development, and certainly what you were saying, how we connected to just finding those good people to be around. Yeah. And I think circling back to what you were talking about with kind of going into the attitude that that wasn't something that you wanted, did you kind of go in with a little bit of resentment and did that kind of cause a little bit of maybe not negative, but caused a little bit of friction between you and some of the teammates or you and some of the coaches, but then ultimately do you think led to the most growth after? Awesome question. I think I've always been good with teammates. I've always been respectful of coaches. I think that freshman year more than anything else, it was just that battle between, you know, my ears really. It was with myself and going in, it was, you know, I had the girlfriend in high school, you know, we'll stay together. Then we broke up. So that was a whole piece, you know, getting your heart broken for the first time. Now I'm at a school I really don't want to be at. I think I should be somewhere else. And it was a whole ton of work that I needed to go through. And obviously when you're in it, you're like, get me out of the situation. But now looking back, it's like you needed to go through those tough times. And from that, I started going to a sports psychologist. I really needed it at the time. And it was kind of, no one else was talking about it at the time. And I got hooked up. It was just a a guy who was local to the area. I looked up sports psychology and his name came up and he ended up being the Yale department uh, sports psychologist. So just really lucky to get connected with such a great guy. And throughout the years now, we're still in contact. He just actually retired. But when I got the Orioles job, called him. When I got married, called him. So it's kind of evolved to this relationship where it's just continued growth. But yeah, during that freshman year, it was struggling on the field, struggling off a little bit, trying to find where that confidence came from. Because in high school, you become the jock and everybody's saying, you know, your success is tied to baseball. And really there's so much more to life than just baseball here. And he kind of helped uncover that. And I started taking school more seriously and not just the baseball opportunities, but because I did so well at every point, you know, going to schools, regardless of baseball that I could play at and get my degree in. So like I said, a lot of personal development more so with myself than anything else. Yeah. And you touched on it right there. I think being able to accept that we don't know everything because especially coming out of high school. And as you said, we do typecast ourselves based on other people's biases as that jock. And it can be a really humbling experience to be put into a situation where your identity is gone, right? Maybe you're no longer that top athlete, or maybe you're a guy that, you know, maybe rested on your laurels a little bit too much. And thought everything was just going to progress. So when you find people that are willing to help you and grow that mindset, it's so massive. When um, your transition period obviously happened, when you took it on and took the adversity and ran with it, did you really lean on your coaches primarily for that? Or was that more with teammates? And the reason why I ask is just because I think a lot of people, whether it be in sports or in just in life, whether it be business or anything like that, hit that wall. And sometimes they don't know who to lean on. And then it can go internal and it can become really dark. So maybe if you can shed some light on kind of how you were able to lean on people in that instance. 
Definitely. And I think it's twofold with the players, my teammates and the coaches as well. And after that freshman year, it was kind of in my head, I was saying, you know, things are going to work out the way it should. I got to enjoy this. Making baseball hard is making everything else tough too. And seeing my teammates and my roommates as they're in the same situation as me, they're probably here because, you know, grades weren't good enough. They were undersized, whatever was holding them back. We're in the same situation. We can talk about it. And it was kind of the people I had in my corner. It was, let's go to the gym twice a day. It doesn't matter. Let's go. Let's get really good grades. So it was just this positive attitude. And we just really embraced the junior college lifestyle where maybe you only have a few classes each day and you have all this time after practice. So instead of, you know, going to the parties that I could have at UConn or a big school or football games, we didn't have anything else. So it's, let's just go to the gym. We'll play some video games, go to bed early, and do it all over the next day. So learning that my teammates were huge resources for me is a big move. And then one of my coaches was uh, Matt Harvey's father, so uh, the Dark Knight from the Mets. And he has been just an unbelievable guy. And he was a high school gym teacher for 40 years and the high school baseball coach there. And once he retired, he became the hitting coach of our junior college program. And most people think a high school coach, what's he really know? You know, just throw the balls out there. Total opposite. Still one of the best hitting coaches I ever had and why I am a hitting coach today. And going to him and pretty much saying, like, what do you got for me? Like, whatever you say to do, I'm going to do it. And putting that trust in him rather than trying to feel like I have to figure it out on my own was a huge relief to me. So having that camaraderie with my teammates feeling like we're in the same situation working together and then putting your trust in coaches who you know that have your best interest at heart and I think that's the biggest thing I trust in him I knew he knew his stuff and then kind of saying all right let's roll with it we're either going to go down together or you're going to send me to the next level and luckily just having really good people around me yeah and I think that's a huge key point there too is just trusting the process and then also understanding that you're not the only one going through it. At different stages in life, everybody's battling their own thing. And sometimes it's really easy for the ego or whatever you want to call it to take over and be like, oh, it's only me. But when you're able to embrace it and look out to others, it, we're able to bounce good ideas off each other. That's something that I've definitely respected about all the conversations we've had. We're always trying to learn or grow from conversations or from other people. So obviously had really good success there, uh, made it to the World Series. Then after that, did everything kind of play out in a different way than obviously you wanted? Coming out of high school, you wanted to go to UConn. You said that they came to you and said, hey, did you want to come here? Was it a no-brainer that you were going there? Or did you have a couple other schools that maybe were in competition to? Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable thing because coming out of high school, you dream of getting all these scholarship offers. and. My parents, obviously, not having to pay out of pocket. And second year after we especially made the World Series, it was all these schools that I had hoped for were coming to me and saying, do you want to play here? Here's, you know, we're going to give you some scholarship money. And it's still in the back of my mind was like, I've always wanted to play for UConn. I grew up in Connecticut. They were in regionals at the time. And I hadn't heard from them. And I was kind of letting things play out. And then I got the call from Coach Penrose pretty much saying like, there's no scholarship money here, but you got a spot on the team and you'll make the most of it if you come up here and do your thing. And it was kind of like, I love that. You know, it's been the same thing over the past two years. I've kind of had to make everything 
from scratch with the help of the people around me. So let's keep doing it. And once I got there, I had no idea what I was walking into. I knew UConn was really good. They were in regionals against Oregon, but I had no idea that George Springer was on the team. I had no idea that Nick Ahmed, the Diamondback shortstop, was on the team. All these loaded guys. So going in, I was super naive. I had no clue. And I just trained all that summer. Really challenging practices. Like I just fire up the pitching machine saying like, okay, I'm going to face Velo that I haven't seen before. And then when I got there, I had a really good fall. Again, just not really thinking about anything, just saying like, eh, it's the same thing as every point. Like they're throwing the same way. And I had a couple of really good scrimmages, hit a couple home runs. And, you know, every time you look around, there's scouts looking at George Springer. And it just kind of was like, holy crap, like what's going on? Where am I? And I got an NECBL contract. So I was talking to possibly getting on the Cape and it was just all these opportunities hit me at once. And, you know, you look back and usually that's how it works. All this like pounding the stone every single day over and over again, nothing to show for it. And then when it starts cracking, you get around the right people in the right situation. It just kind of happens quick and love my time at UConn and two awesome years, really successful teams. And obviously being around big league caliber people and players was huge. And you, and you said stepping into that situation, obviously, is an eye-opening experience for anybody. But do you think the adversity and the ups and downs that you faced truly helped you have a mindset that was kind of open to embracing anything rather than kind of going in and being like, no, I know how this is going to be? Definitely. And I think that's the biggest thing you just learn uh, as you grow up. You go into a situation thinking, I have my plan. Okay. Nothing's going to derail me. And when I got to UConn, it was like, all right, I really have no clue. I've never played at this level before. I'm totally open to what they say. And it really was my second year at junior college just saying like, things are going to work out the way it should. When I try too hard and press, I just get in my own way. So let's roll with the punches. Let's have a lot of fun as we go through. So once I got to UConn, I was kind of in a battle for the third base position. And it was never me against the other guy. It was always like we would hang out, have fun. Never me getting my own way, which is a huge difference from my time at Avery Point. So kind of I equate it to, you know, gripping the bat really tight. Nothing good happens when you do that. Kind of let it go a little bit, relieve some of the pressure and just find that flow. And that was huge for me. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think anybody, whether involved in sports or just in life, can Getting out of your own way is such a huge thing, as you said. And then consistency, right? Consistency breaks the rock, not the one hit at it. That's such, yeah. a huge, such a huge thing. So obviously you see a different caliber of player. Did you see something in those guys as far as maybe work ethic or mindset or something that made you realize, okay, I thought I was working hard, but I can get to another level. And it kind of transitions and obviously stays with you to today. Definitely. And uh, I see it all the time. You think you're putting in the work and really that's just going and hitting off the tee for 20 minutes and you think you're doing extra than everybody else. When in reality, that's really not anything extra. That's just what it's going to take to get you there. But these guys, I mean, I think of, you know, the Mamba mentality now. Like these guys, when they would practice, they wanted you to smoke ground balls at them. 
They wanted the velo machine turned up. They want it really challenging because when I was at Avery Point, I was thinking, okay, I want to play at the Division One level. Like these guys were thinking, I want to be big leaguers. So just that change in mindset was huge for me to be around. And I thought I worked hard at Avery Point. I thought I put enough time in at the gym, and these guys just put me to shame. And especially guys like John Andrioli, he's been up and down in the big leagues, Nick Ahmed. Any free time they had, they were doing something to improve. They brought me in on kind of mental conditioning podcasts at the time, more so recordings in 2012. But just all these other aspects, rather than just hitting off the tee or lifting weights, like there's so much more that goes into it. And especially the pride that goes into the defensive side of the game. I always kind of just hit only. That's all I want to practice at. These guys... All, at all times, every part of the game they were working at. So it definitely elevated my game to being around them. But I, I don't think I ever was at the level that they were. Yeah, and that's something that anybody that I've talked to that's been around big leaguers or guys that have made it to the NHL or the NBA is just the mindset of not letting anything get in the way. And it's such an it's infectious, right? It, it spreads off onto everybody, and that's such an amazing thing. After obviously having some success at UConn, you were fortunate enough, you signed with the Diamondbacks and you went to Arizona and you had a good time there. Did that transition the way that you expected or was that kind of a, I guess, kind of a humbling experience that helped you grow even more? I mean, everybody thinks about being a professional baseball player and you think when you get the call, it's going to be this big celebration. And for me, the drafts came and went, didn't get called. Uh, I was hopeful that I would, but I got a call the day after saying, hey, if you hop on the plane, we'll pay for the ticket. You could be a professional baseball player. So it's kind of a whirlwind, jumped into it. I went down there and a little disappointing going into it. I thought it was going to be this next level coaching. All the secrets would be given to me. And more so at the time and just how baseball was, it was kind of the guys who had it were going to get elevated. And if you didn't really have it, you're going to get out of the game pretty quickly. And things have obviously changed since then with a focus on player development. But I kind of knew going into it, I was on the rookie ball team in Arizona. I was the one of three college graduates. Everybody else was from, you know, the Dominican or high school level. So I kind of felt like the Papa Bear, kind of the fifth coach, if you will, on the team and kind of knew that, okay, coaching is definitely what I want to get into. How can I set myself up for the best way possible to take this experience into what I do in the future? So I did learn a ton that summer and it's been a great experience. And obviously it kind of gets you a seat at the table when people see professional baseball player on the resume. It certainly helps. But again, that junior college time is when I developed the most. Those two years I grew as a person, as a player, the most versus the higher levels where it's just if you're good, you're going you're gonna to produce and they're going to let you do your thing versus at junior college. If you're going well and they think you can get better, they're going to attack that. And I think that's where player development has gone today, that continuous development model rather than just letting the best guys do their thing and stay where they are. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think for a lot of people that have never been involved in the professional baseball circuit don't necessarily understand is for a long time. And like you said, there wasn't a lot of behind the scenes development. It was kind of just, all right, you're on your own, go do it. The guys that are going to separate themselves separate and everybody else just falls off. I think that's one of the things in baseball now 
that is so amazing is, as you said, the player development is on just a whole other level, right? Guys aren't slipping through the cracks, so to say, as often as they may have in the past. So obviously from there, um, had to kind of become part of the real world, so to say. So you coached at Quinnipiac and you were there for one season? Yep, one season as the volunteer assistant. And obviously that was kind of your first initiation into coaching. And from there, did you really think, okay, I want to be involved in the team aspect? Did you think that you wanted to maybe try and look at getting into being a head coach or getting into doing that? And kind of where did the direction go after that? Yeah, totally wild. And it kind of takes you to places you never thought you'd be. So right after that experience in Pro Bowl was over, I got the opportunity to be a volunteer assistant at Quinnipiac. And unbelievable experience outfield coach got to help out with the hitters and immediately fell in love with just being around the players and it it was an unusual situation because I was 23 and I was coaching some players who were the same age as me but just learning that man you really got to build relationships with these kids and if you do it the right way they're going to respect you and run through a wall for you and that year I mean living at home making the hour commute every day to be a volunteer assistant, not making any money. It was a huge, a lot of (laughs) taxing situations, both myself and the family and didn't have a girlfriend at the time. So it was just totally focused on baseball. So after that year finished, it was kind of like, all right, am I going to be a volunteer assistant for the next five years, not make any money, be living at home. So it was all right. I'm going to be a financial advisor. I'm going to make a ton of money. Totally different thing. I had no experience, terrible at math in high school. But the guy who hired me was a UConn graduate, and he liked guys who were athletes, thought they had the mindset that would be successful. So I jumped into it. I passed all the tests within three months. It was super stressful. And then when I got into it three months later, it was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, this is not the lifestyle I want to live. This is not going to make me happy. I miss being around the guys. And I think more than anything else, it's just I really enjoy helping guys become confident like I needed at my first year at Avery Point and helping them realize that it's a lot easier when you kind of take the pressure off your stud, believe in yourself. And it was, okay, how do I get out of this? And how do I get into a situation where I could be? you know, that positive force in people's lives. So I knew college coaching in New England was really tough in terms of making money. So I said, where can I be around younger people? Where can I have a positive impact? And everybody always told me you should be a teacher. So I applied to grad school. I got in and then it started the process of me becoming a high school English teacher, did the internship and everything. And that worked itself out. And I was a high school English teacher for five years. I freaking loved it. It was such an awesome experience. And if it weren't for pro ball being what I love to do and hitting, I would be happily be a high school English teacher and high school baseball coach forever. So I did that for five years and then luckily got the call with the uh, Orioles this past off season and never thought that would be a possibility. Usually it's, you got to be a big leaguer, play triple A or a high level for a while to open those doors. And with the social media following and with Major League Baseball being more open to hiring out-of-the-box candidates, got an opportunity, and it's been fantastic since then. And that's something that just even hearing you talk, and I'm sure everybody listening will hear it too, is just a grateful for everything that you've been 
given or anything that has maybe not been exactly how you expected your path to go, but appreciate the ride, right? Trusting the process. So I know when you were, you said you were teaching and you were thoroughly enjoying it. I know you'd said that you were voted most dependable. <laughs> how, how amazing did that feel? Obviously, you know, you can see when you're talking about it, you light up about talking about being able to help people and just help kids and help with the mindset. But then to not only be maybe that shining light for your peers, how much more did that actually mean? Yeah, being a high school teacher, it's so different than coaching because with coaching, for the most part, kids want to be there or they're paying money to get the lesson. At school, <laughs> these kids would probably rather be at the movies or just hanging out at home playing video games. They don't want to necessarily be talking about a book in English class for an hour each day. So getting that most dependable superlative was kind of just a validation of how I wanted my teaching style to be. I totally understand that some kids aren't jazzed up about coming to English class, but at least when they come in there, I want them to be able to express their ideas, feel comfortable, and feel really confident about the progress they made. So regardless of the type of learner they are, what their interests are, definitely wanted to make them feel like they had a home in the classroom. And that's probably the thing that I miss most. You take all these 28 kids, different interests, different things outside of school that they're really into, and then creating this culture and atmosphere in your classroom where everybody has their space. And even if they don't get along in other classrooms, understanding that there's a precedent that's set in here where we can talk about whatever we want without feeling like somebody's judging us. So that's a really cool thing and something I'll definitely hang on to. And hopefully the hitters that I work with, they feel like even if they're having a bad day, they can come talk to me and let me know. Cause obviously it's not just hitting. It's not just the grade at the end. It's so everything else that goes into it and how you deal with it on a daily basis. Yeah. And to just run right off of that too. So obviously taking all of your experiences and I know you're very open about talking about your different experiences, your ups and downs. You know, you talked about earlier being at junior college, maybe kind of getting in your own way and kind of what's going on between the years in any of the interactions that you've been involved in with the youth. Is that one of the biggest things that you try to relay onto them, not to brag or not to be like, look what I've done, but Hey, use my experiences. And like you said, being able to just to connect on a different level with them. How rewarding is that just day in, day out? Yeah, totally. And what I always talk about, we think we're this, you know, the main actor in our own movie and that everybody's looking at us when in reality, nobody really cares. It's like I've played on so many teams and one guy's sitting in the corner of the dugout and I'm like, dude, what's his deal? And they're like, dude, he struck out four times. Like he's pissed. I had no idea that was going on. But when you are that guy, you feel like every single eye in the dugout is on you. And it's the same thing in school. You're having a bad day. You feel like people can notice people have their own problems. And I think that's one of the biggest things, like what's your process what's going on in your own world, how can you kind of deal with it and control the controllables the most. So especially in the hitting realm, that's what we talk about all the time. Okay, you had a really bad at bat the first time. Let's flush it. What can we take with us and let the rest go? And we always talk about like the McGregor quote, like I never lose, I just learn. And I think that's so huge to having that growth mindset and something we talked about in school and with the Orioles a ton. We actually read mindset by carol dweck for a book club with the players and coaches and we actually had carol dweck come on the call and be able to ask her questions so 
things like that, the earlier someone can learn that falling down is good because you're going to learn something from it and be better off for it in the long run, the better it's going to be. And unfortunately, I didn't learn that until I was 20 years old, where these kids, if they learn it at 12, 5, even younger, they're going to be set up for a really successful life where they don't take things personally. They see obstacles as the path to go down. And that's really exciting. And the earlier we can help kids understand that, the better off everybody's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. With the, with the reading, obviously touching on that, being an English teacher, was that when you really got into reading or have you always been kind of intrigued by reading and truly learning that way? always liked reading a pretty good writer for the most part in high school and I just gravitated I majored majored in English just because it was the easiest thing to go along with baseball right the class schedule was super easy I could write papers well read something synthesize it pretty well but it was when I was at grad school where it was really thinking like holy crap like somebody 200 years ago wrote this because they wanted somebody to know what they're going through and it's totally applicable today and my, my students, that's what it was. Okay, maybe you don't like this book, but somebody wrote it a really long time ago, and it's still the same issues that are going on today. What could we learn from it? And I always love reading about hitting any baseball book. I'd consume like crazy when we were on the bus, be reading a ton. And then as I got older, it became more of that self-help type of books that I really gravitate towards. And then in school, you know, you go through the classics and reading with the kids and seeing how they connect to it was a ton of fun. So every year, even though you're reading The Great Gatsby for the 20th time, it is really fun to see what the kids bring to the table and how they connect with it. And maybe they saw the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but how's the book yeah. different from the movie? So yeah, I enjoyed it a ton. And that's something we brought to the Orioles, our director of player development, Matt Blood. He's a big reader too. So during our time in quarantine, we've already read three books. And it's been super rewarding because some of the players that are a part of the book club have said like, I haven't read a book since middle school and I've already read three during quarantine. This is great. I didn't even know books like this existed. I thought they were just really boring fictional books. And it's like, dude, anything you're into, we'll find you a book for you. And most of the time when you get to this high level, it's kind of that same mentality. They're looking for an edge, being able to give them a book that they connect with kind of sets them on that path too to continue that reading obsession that it becomes. Yeah. And as you said too, to circle back is people wrote some of these books a couple hundred years ago, or maybe even farther back. And the problems that maybe we think are so positional now in modern times are still relatable to back then. And that is something that I truly love about reading as well is no matter who reads the book, two people can read the exact same thing and pull completely different ideas about it based on where they're at in their own life. Do you have any other outlets? So say meditation or journaling or anything like that, that you would maybe say that you didn't maybe believe in early on, but as you've got more into it, it's helped as kind of being an outlet to get out of your own way that maybe you can help other people look up or find some facts and try to move towards, I guess. Sure. And this is definitely something that I thought was maybe, you know, a weakness when I was younger, journaling, like, come on, who, who journals? Like, right. that's what girls do. And that is like, the coolest thing you could do. That's self-awareness 101 right here to be able to put your thoughts down on paper, think about it and see where you went wrong. And so 
with that, I've become a really big Ryan Holiday fan, the writer. Any book he comes out with, I've read multiple times, and he has something called the Daily Stoic Journal, and you read a passage morning and night, and then you write in the journal your thoughts and how it connected with you throughout the day. And I do that every single morning and every single night before I go to bed, and that process has been huge with me, and I'll see it during the day when I'm talking to somebody, how the the reading of that day kind of weaves into our conversation. So that's definitely something I love. Big in the podcast and our whole organization has been a part of the Headspace app for meditation and mindfulness. And that's been something we have actually every Monday, Monday mindfulness. And we had it this morning. We all listened to a Headspace meditation together and not just players, but coaches too who have never been around it are like, man, the past 70 days we've been doing this, I feel totally different. I feel this separation that I've never felt before between kind of that at perception and action where I can kind of see my thoughts rather than act on them right away. So I would say anybody looking to become a little bit more self-aware, really focus on what you need to do to become a better person, mindfulness activity, or just be walking, kind of unplugging from your phone or meditating, journaling, all that stuff is absolutely huge and has helped me a ton. Yeah. And do you, obviously touching on the meditation, do you do very focused on breathing do you do maybe five minutes of breathing outside of maybe using the meditation app or anything like that do you have anything to maybe help center yourself or maybe a quote that you give to yourself in preparation for times where it would be really easy to kind of get in our own way and create anxiety do you have anything like that yeah i have a daily planner that i go through and i put breath work and then meditation because I do see them differently in my own head and meditation. I'll do the headspace app, whether it be a body scan or a guided meditation where I'd really try and get the heart rate down, just really, really relax. But then I also have an app on my phone. It's just called breath work and they have all these different breath techniques. I really like box breathing and it's really any situation, if you're going to work out, if you want to get that heart rate, get that focus up a little bit, it has a different breath work for that. Before bed, they have targeted breath where you're going to be breathing in long, exhaling really long, cooling down after everything. So that's been huge for me. And I can see it. I'm a big whoop guy. I, I'm a big fan of what they do. And I've had the whoop band for about 200 days now. And I could see the difference in my heart rate when I do breath work, when I do meditation. And that's been something that's really cool to see rather than just saying, I feel more centered. I feel more relaxed. I can see how it's changing me from a inside my body perspective. So that's been super cool. Yeah. And, it, and it's an interesting transition we go through, right? When we, as you said, getting out of your own way, but also getting rid of some of our old ideals. And I think some of the books that you've even put me on to when to circle back to the Ryan holiday books, you know, in his own way, he communicates that, right? Get out of your own way, be willing to go and be uncomfortable or be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm sure same for yourself in a lot of the books, that's kind of that hidden message is be comfortable being uncomfortable and you never know what the universe is going to bring back to you. Do you think by putting yourself circling back a little bit, by putting yourself in an uncomfortable state of the unknown being a financial advisor really helped you find that okay this is what i don't ever want to do and i'm willing to 
sacrifice and maybe go through some ups and downs mentally to really get to where I want. Definitely. And I, I think more than anything else, it was, I'm really not interested in this, but it's something I think is important because it could help me reach the goals I want to reach someday. I passed all the tests. I did that more of just memorization, sheer will than anything else. There was no passion or dedication behind it. And it's like, I did all this on something I really don't like. Can I, you imagine what I do when it's something that I, I really love? And that's definitely been the case with hitting. And this year has been a huge transition, especially my wife and I, we were kind of waiting for, okay, we're going to be away from each other for eight months with this new job. How is that going to work out? And Obviously, with Corona, I've been home more than we ever thought, but still that thought of being away from each other, having to be in Florida for two months out of the year, then I'm going to move to Maryland. It's been a ton, but at the same time, it just goes back to what you learned. Like, what, what, what can I control? How often can my wife fly down and be with me? How can we make the most out of this situation? And you look at how lucky you are to be a professional baseball coach, something I never thought that would be. My job literally is to look at swings, find ways to help guys become better hitters. Whereas when I was a teacher, I loved it, but that's lesson planning every day, grading when I get home, I'll then go to the facility, work with my players. It was a ton on my plate. And now it's I got one focus and it's something I love doing. So very grateful for that. But certainly all those different instances, uh, the ups and downs of life certainly has helped got me here and I still feel like I have no freaking clue what's going on and so much to learn. So still feel like a student. Which is, I think something that everybody can take out of too, is that oftentimes we try to, as you said, go so strongly towards what we think we need. And then the universe or God or however you'd like to look at it is going to present you something else that's totally different because that's actually where your true passion lies. I definitely, the whole mindset, I love talking about it with yourself. Anybody that wants to continue following along and reading daily quotes that are very truly inspiring, wants to continue being able to communicate those things, do you encourage them to reach out to you via social media? For sure. And I definitely try and get back to everybody who reaches out to me. If they want, they could send me an email, fullerhitting at gmail.com. But anybody who reaches out, I appreciate it. A lot of people will say, even for the quotes, people who really don't like baseball or something, however they come across my page, they'll say, man, that really hit me at the right time. And I mean, that's the goal of it, to connect with anybody is obviously terrific. And then other ways of capturing the 13-year-old baseball player who thinks it's just about perfect mechanics. It's like, no, let's get our mindset right today. There's so much more that goes into it. So, yeah, social media is a great way of connecting with people like yourself that I'd never have access to. So, yeah, anybody who needs anything via social media, just send that DM or an email and I'll get right back to you. And then we'll just leave with this. Do you have any books that you recommend that anybody may be in a stage of life where they maybe are looking for some enlightenment or looking for that light at the end of the tunnel because they're going through a difficult time? Do you have any, maybe one or two, that really you think connected with you that you think you could pass on to other people? I'll start with Relentless by Tim Grover. He was Michael Jordan's coach and he worked with Kobe Bryant too. It's a terrific one of just gaining that mental edge and really fueling yourself every single day. And then like we talked about, especially for enlightenment, uh, stillness is a key. That's my favorite of the Ryan Holiday books and especially 
all his works are terrific obstacles away, especially with the quarantine season that we're going through. Very relevant. Eagle is the enemy, but my favorite one is still key, and especially for people who are fans of athletes. There's unbelievable stories in there about Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, how all these guys, even at the top of their game, still dealt with all these personal battles. So really appreciate what he writes and how he writes. Yeah. One last thing. What is a common myth about hitting that you wish didn't exist? Oh, great question. There's a ton. I would say that what we were just talking about, there's no perfect Although, yes, there are similarities. Every guy moves differently. Every guy is thinking differently. And it really is an individualized game when it comes to hitting. And if you're not making it individual, you're missing out on the possibilities that come with how each kid interprets information, how they move. Definitely got to be individualized. And I think we try and make it more so a team game. And that's a lot easier planning for one team rather than 13 individual players. It's a lot more work, but the players get so much better when you do the individual instruction. I appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody that listens to this is going to have a lot of enlightenment. And again, if you'd like to reach out to Ryan, you can find him at Fuller Hitting. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, and you can find him on Facebook at that. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. I'd be excited to hear and share your story as obviously the pandemic plays out and things continue down the road for you. And thank you very much again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for the sec. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan. He's a great guy. He's very humble and he's doing a lot of great things for the youth initiative in baseball in America. He's always posting inspirational quotes and is a person that I've been able to connect with, not only just on a level with baseball, but been able to connect with him on a personal level and kind of share some stories and bounce some ideas off as we talked about in the interview and been a very grounded person. So as he had said in the interview, definitely reach out to him via one of the social media platforms and just have a good conversation with him. He's just a great overall guy. I really hope that you found some great inspiration or maybe some of the things that he said maybe connected with you, whether you're a person that's working in a job that maybe you're not necessarily enjoying, you're not finding passion about it, you know, understanding that that can be the process to kind of get you to where you want to be as he spoke about. And I think that's such a huge thing. And if you're a subscriber or a follower of the show, you know that I've talked about passion and just how important it truly is, whether you are a person that's involved in sports or a person that's just trying to find a new job or a person that's trying to find what your niche is or what your why in life is. It's so important to find that passion. And I'm sure you heard it in the interview with Ryan. He's very passionate about what he's doing and not just about coaching, but also just really helping with the mental development and helping the youth get to the next level and achieve the goals that he wasn't able to do. But that's something that I truly appreciate about him is he's a person that is willing to help elevate other people and not be like, well, I never got there. So nobody else is going to get there. The more that we can give back to each other uh, and the more that we can enlighten each other and the more that we can kind of help each other raise our mindsets and continue to think limitlessly, the better all of us will be in the long run. And that's why I truly appreciate being able to connect with Ryan. And I can't thank him again enough for coming on to the podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by Team Omai at teamomai.com. So it's T-E-A-M-O-H-M-Y.com. Head over to their site, check out their amazing gear. You can use the code LIMITLESS in all caps for 15% off 
on all gear on their website. Check him out. Send Duncan a message. He'll be happy to get back to you. He's also a great guy that I'm very excited for you guys to hear a future interview with him. And he'll take care of all your shipping needs, whether you are in Europe or you're in North America. He'll get it all taken care of and he'll help you get what you want. All of the books that Ryan had mentioned during the interview will be linked in the show notes, so you'll be able to check those out. Definitely check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Head over, send us a follow, give us a like, just say hi. Definitely would love to have a conversation with all of you. If you're a person that knows somebody or would like to be a guest on the podcast, definitely reach out as well. I would love to have everybody on to share their story and be able to truly just bring light to everything that good people are going through. I wish you all a great weekend and I hope you continue to think limitlessly, find some outlets for yourself, whether it be meditation, reading, journaling, whatever it might be that helps you kind of get out of your own head and kind of helps bring you back down to ground. And I look forward to talking to you all on Monday and continuing down the road of limitless possibilities. 